The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. That's right. And it's the post NBA edition of the Dream Preview. And I've got my Wise Guy Roundtable. And it's packed. Not only the Roundtable, we got a few special. They, they said I can't say the name. I'd like to. But a couple guests here. Mackie's even here. I'm sure he'll try to jump up and get on the mic. There's no mics available, but he's that type. But around the core round table, Steve Fezzik, Brad Powers, Stephen Nover. I'm RJ Bell. You would think, oh, who knows if we have to listen this week. And by the way, guys, my uh, cold last week had got worse. Flu, I guess. Wasn't able to tape Tuesday for Wednesday. My apologies. Releasing on Friday today. But that this will be a one-week thing. And uh, next week it will be Wednesday. So make sure you're subscribed. And all you got to do is go to any podcast player, search RJ Bell and subscribe for free. You'll get it immediately upon release. We're talking Fezzik's 21 through 25 teams. And Nover has a bonus best bet right in the middle of that. And Fezzik has a best bet on one of these teams. So five teams were going over. Two season win total best bets. Also, Brad Powers College, football specialist. He has his power ratings for every Division I team up at pregame.com. We're going to look at the top 10 on here on the Dream Preview. This week, teams 10 through 6. We're counting down and we'll be breaking down from a Vegas perspective those teams. Also got a little bit on John Gruden. Actually, I'll give a tease. One of those 21 through 25 teams is the Raiders. But a side story on Gruden and how he's complaining about the collective bargaining agreement. And I think there's some handicapping wisdom we can divine from that. A little bit on Delaware and New Jersey sports betting. But first, we're going to start with the NBA aftermath. And specifically, we're going to be talking LeBron James odds. Where is he going to be next year? And this is something, and you can always tell by Twitter because you get instant feedback. Sometimes I'll work on something, think this is great, and it's like no one retweets it, you know, 10 retweets or whatever. Then other times I'm like, huh, I don't know. And then boom, bunch of retweets. So you guys do vote with your RTs, and I appreciate that. And if you do like something, I love the retweets because it spreads the word at RJ in Vegas, and I appreciate that. So here's the odds right now taping on Thursday. You know, before I give you guys the odds, this gives you a little insight into Mackie. So I just said, you know, I love when you guys support and such, and Mackie starts going down and liking some of my tweets, like in the same room as me. This guy, he's a smart dude, man. Yeah, you, you just never know with Mackie. We might, <laughs> fact, we always, you know, it's kind of funny. With you, it was like, you know, you have a howdy doody look about you and it's like, and then as the years went by, we just saw, you know, I mean, it became, for a while, you know, and you know, there's different times in your life that you, 
see something in somebody, usually it's a kid or something in, in, in one of your kids and you're like, well, I hope that doesn't end up being the case. You know, maybe he's an asshole or maybe, you know, whatever, or he, you know, he's a little chunky and he loves to eat. And you're thinking, I hope he doesn't end up, you know, a big chunky kid. And you, you, you tend as a parent to want to think the best, right? Well, with you, I started seeing the deviousness, Fezzik, and then I, I just kept saying, I can't be. Look at his, look at his hair and his, you know, his, he looks like, 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 uh, Ralph Mouth or something, but no, no. I'm the dirtiest player in the game. But now with Mackie, it's almost the same thing. I mean, he's got the innocent ways about him and then Machiavellian. Mac- Mackie, Machiavellian. Mm. All right, here's the odds. He's just laughing like, boy, someone's finally figuring me out, is what he's saying. <laughs> We've got a minus money favorite now to land LeBron. Lakers minus 110. 110. 76ers plus 450. Cavs plus 450. Rockets 7 to 1. Celtics 10 to 1. Spurs 10 to 1. Clippers 25 to 1. Heat 33 to 1. Warriors 33 to 1. So Fez, Nover, anything jump out at you? Now, I think what's obvious is the correlation between the NBA title odds and LeBron's likely landing spot because a team like the Lakers who have like amazingly good odds, if you say, well, look at the Lakers last year, how could they have such good odds? And right now the Lakers are in the 16 to one range. And I think that's actually gone down in some spots. What, what do you see in the Lakers at, Fez? I saw them lower, RJ. Place I checked, it was 10 to 1. I got to tell you, at 16 to 1, I'm starting to get a little interested. Yeah, and I think my, those odds are a couple days late. So now that it's surged a little bit for the Lakers, you see that corresponding move. We talk about this all the time, is all you need to do is say, oh, and again, not that this is necessarily simple, but the concept is simple. What's the odds if the Lakers land LeBron? What's the odds if they, and it's a good example here because with the Lakers, it's about even money. Now, if you're minus 110, there's so much big in there. It's still a little less than 50%. He goes to the Lakers, but let's say 50 is what are the odds if LeBron goes to the Lakers? Understanding there's still like in a uh, decision tree sense, there's still like, okay, do they sign Chris Paul? Do they trade for Leonard? There's all the different if thens, even if he does go to the Lakers. But what uh, quick odds would you make on the Lakers with LeBron? I think it'd be about seven for one would be fair odds. Okay. And Lakers without LeBron, but understanding they've got a, you know, they're probably going to sign one max contract either way. Yeah. Without him. 40 to one. All right. So now if it's 50, 50, you split the difference. And, and if anything, under your numbers there, it would seem, <coughs> excuse me, guys, it would seem that the 10 to one's not great odds, right? Cause if it's seven to one, if it happens and it's 50 to one, if it doesn't, you should, and it's a 50% chance it happens. You should be splitting it. You know, you should be doing the math here, right? And yeah, so about it'd two, be about 23 to one or whatever. Yeah. So 3% versus 14%. And we average that eight and a half percent chance. So to, to, to me, the, um, the mathematics of this, or at least the logic of it is important. And then if you look at teams like the Sixers, like the Cavs is if they, now the Cavs are interesting because this one market, and this is coming from betonline.ag, so it's just one place. But it seems to be the most bet market when it comes to the LeBron stuff. 
that I've seen. But if you look at these Cavs odds, it seems like to win the title, boy, they are pessimistic on LeBron going back 30 to one and even higher. Yeah, very much so. And you know, one important point I wanted to mention about it, I, you said you think maybe a little less than 50% with the extra vig for him going to the Lakers. I saw a book, RJ, that offered a yes, no on this. The yes was minus 130, but the no was even money. And that makes me think if I, hey, if, if they're letting me bet that he won't go to the Lakers at even money, maybe he has a greater than 50% chance to wind up with the Lakers. But remember, what are you betting when you bet this? You're betting. Not so much where LeBron's going to go, because who has any idea, right? By all accounts, no, like Dwayne Wade didn't know, like the day before he was leaving Miami. I think what we're batting here is the news stories, the narratives. The mo- and the most recent narratives. That's a great point, because just a week and a half ago, we were talking about, wow, he's down to two to one to join the Rockets, right? And we were all talking about how, oh, the Rockets make a lot of sense, and, and really it has change considerably from week to week. And sometimes with these non-games, you're betting inside information. And in that case, when you see a line move, it's usually right because someone knows somebody knows somebody and then they they start to bet it. Like what the halftime song is going to be, right? There's some key grip that sees the, uh, the, the rehearsal and then boom, boom, boom. And but here I don't think we're getting any leaks from LeBron's camp because I I would make a major bet he doesn't know where he's going right now. I think we're seeing the lines move on the news stories, and in that case I don't I don't think there is smart money. I don't th- I think the smart money to be honest in this kind of stuff is bet every possible team at their seeming low point. Meaning if you actually look at the way these odds go. It's like 10 to one, one day, two to one, the next. And all of a sudden when, when a team seems to be the most, it's almost like the old Warren Buffett. Uh, I think Paul Graham was the first guy and he wrote a pretty famous book. He used to talk about a cigar and he goes, you want to walk around and look for a cigar butt that's on the ground. But if you pick it up and light it just right, there's one more puff on it. (laughs) Like that was how he would do stocks. And he spent his whole life, and Buffett started under that style, and he kind of evolved it a little bit, looking for that last free puff on on a cigar in the in the in the street. Apparently, so I guess it was the depression, so that you know you do what you got to do. But to me, when a team seems to have fallen out of favor, I think you could. Have, I mean, if if I would look at the ebb and flow of these odds, I think you could have got every team on the this list at better than ten to one at some point. One of them being Boston, which you brought up on the Straight Out of Vegas show on Saturday night. At that particular time, Boston, the Celtics, you made a great case on uh, for them for taking a long shot. Boston at that time was fifty to one, RJ. Yeah, and and that was up at uh, Bet DSI, and and I think in, in their odds have been different than uh, the uh, Bet Online odds. But you're right, it was fifty to one. Now, right now, and we did give that as a best bet. The Celtics are at ten to one. I bet online. I actually like the Celtics, even at 10 to 1. But I just think in general, when a team falls out of favor, if all you did was get a, a little bet on them, you'd probably do all right in and, the long run. And pursuant to that, look no further than the NBA East. Last year, these teams fell in and out of favor, and there were times you could have gotten up to four and a half, five to one, not just on Cleveland, but you know, you could have gotten Philadelphia at 71. You could have gotten Boston at 20 to 1. Um, all these teams fell in and out of favor over the course of the year. Good point. And 
I, last thing I'll say about this is I think the NBA title odds, because the VIG isn't obvious, it's not like minus 130, minus 130 both ways. Oh, my God, it's a 60-cent straddle. What these books end up doing, and you said it with the Lakers, is they should be, in your mind, 7-1 to one if they land LeBron, 50-1 to one or so if they don't. Oh, we'll make it 10 to 1, right? We'll make it a little less than it. And it's the same thing. I mean, let's use the Rockets as an example. Is right now the Rockets are, um, let's see here, plus 400. Now, if they land LeBron, they, sh- you know, they, we were debating this a couple days ago. You think what, right around plus 150? Yes. But if they don't land LeBron, where, where does that 4 to 1 go? Probably five to one. Oh, really? No, they were. You, you could make the case they were the best team last year, almost. You could make the case everything went their way and they still couldn't win. Yeah, you could. Right? Well, everything didn't go their way when Chris Paul got hurt, RJ. Well, <coughs> if what you're expecting is Chris Paul never to get hurt. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, history, you know, it's... What about uh, LeBron's history? He's always stayed in the East. He's never been with a, a Western Conference team. He knows that he can get into the Eastern Conference Finals a lot easier by staying in the East. And unless he uh, would sign up with the Rockets or the Warriors, he's not going to make the Finals if he goes with the Lakers or another Western team. So maybe you could rule out those Western teams unless it's possibly the Rockets? You know, my first thought when you started talking about this was, well, we got the Sixers, we got the Celtics. If somehow he went to a team other, like if he stayed in Cleveland, then I think, wow, now you got a potential problem because based on who gets first place, you might have to play too tough. I mean, imagine Cleveland has to play Boston and the semis or uh, the Eastern semis and then play Philadelphia. That's a tough road. If he goes to the West and went to the Lakers, the theory is you're going to have to beat Houston and Golden State, right? Unless somehow you got the number one seed. So I think in general, you want to try to keep two good teams. So going to the Sixers would do that. Going to Boston would do that. Going to Houston would do that. Assuming those four teams with Golden State are the four best. If he goes to any other team in that conference, whatever one it is, there's going to be three good teams. But Houston and Golden State are much better than Boston and Philadelphia. Is Houston that much better? I mean, I guess at some point, if the regular season counts so much for Houston, why doesn't the regular season count for Boston? But RJ, if Paul doesn't get hurt, they might have beaten Golden State in that now, series. So how many points was Paul worth? We decided four, right? How, what, how, what was the uh, margin in game six? 30-some? What was the margin in game seven? 10 or 11. Yeah, so I, I I get this is a good talk radio topic. I hear Colin saying it all the time. I I saw nothing in Game Six or Seven that makes me think that Chris Paul would have made a difference. If so, why 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 is he only worth four points? And it wasn't like that ten. It was some close game, and then there was a few missed threes, and it, and it spread out. Right? I mean. Golden State had control of that game. They, they I, flipped I, the switch at halftime like they've done all year long. And the Rockets ran out of gas in the second half of that game six. And I, again, obviously, you, you don't just play a game once and say that's a decision. All I know is it's a year older. What I, Chris Paul seems to be someone that's going to... My guess is, you know, where's Chris Paul in three years? Is he one of the 50 best players in the league? Is he even in the league? That's a great point. And whenever you see 
a team have a breakout year like that out of nowhere and have some aging players, it's oftentimes what happens is that they come back to earth and they don't improve. Probably Houston, we're looking at their very best year in 2007, in 2018, not 2019. So the last takeaway I would say is don't go necessarily looking for value in the NBA future odds because these books are going to vig you to death and they're going to go two thirds towards the LeBron. If he goes to the team price typically, and then once he decides he'll bring, they will bring the other teams back to where they should be, but they've got everyone really shaded towards the yes. Cause that's what they're scared of. And since the vig isn't obvious, you, you, people aren't going to say, well, you usually charge 38% vig and now it's 46 and I'm pissed. They don't care, right? That's what the books have proven, I think. Talk about dirtiest player in the game. Fez, you, you look like a saint compared to those guys. Yeah, and just to show how bad it is, if you took you two units and bet it on Golden State, and then you took one unit and bet it on Houston, Philly, and Boston, you're basically going to break even right now if one of those four wins. And if somebody else wins, like the Lakers, you lose everything. Bookies are bad. All right, pregame.com, RJ Bell. Fez, you had a couple takeaways from what you saw with Golden State that we want to put in our pocket for next year. Yeah, going forward in 2019, I think that Golden State may fall into the trap of saying, hey, we won the championship in 2018, basically coasting in a lot of these games, coming in, not playing our A game in the first half. If you look at the underlying statistics for Golden State, they only outscored their opponent's scoring margin per game on average by about seven points per game. Five of those seven points were in the third quarter, meaning you just show up. If it's a close game at halftime, then we'll turn so Just the to switch. be clear, the margin, if you look at the, the quarterly margins, the Golden State was plus five points in the third quarter. You add them all up, they were only plus seven. Yeah, so 74% of their margin was accumulated in the third quarter where they really turned it on. And because they won the championship, RJ, and I'm curious to see what you think about this, I think going forward in 2019, Anytime I'm looking to bet against Golden State, I think I'm going to look to fade them, bet against them in the first quarter and the first half rather than the game. Well, listen, uh, Matty Holt, who said for a long time as a bookmaker, he, he wants to take your money, but he's a nice guy. They don't really look at these derivative bets and, and look at, oh, this team did this and that in the first quarter. You hear guys all the time, you know, uh, you know, uh, it's in the NFL and it's like all, you know, eight games in the season. This team's getting outscored in the first quarter. It's like, you know, how much of that is luck and randomness? And often, and usually the books are like, we're going to let the batters tell us. There's been a few things like the first half in the super zigzag when it's 0-2 and there's a home team. that There's so many people betting that the bookmakers eventually started skewing even the opening numbers. I think this third quarter, first quarter um, dichotomy, I guess, with Golden State is one of those things. So let me ask you, Faz, were the numbers showing that, you know, let's say you had a game where Golden State was favored by eight. If you assume it was a normal game, there'd be a certain line in the first quarter, certain line, you know, from there. Did you see it build into the numbers? I did not during the regular season. In the playoffs, when all the betters started paying more attention to these bets, I did see a skewing where the third quarter would typically be juiced an extra point versus the other quarters. But regular season, no adjustments in Golden State, RJ. This is an amazing stat. In the first quarter, they only outscored their opponents by 
0.1 points. Basically, Golden State played like an average team in the first quarter all year long. Yeah, so I think in sports that are bas- uh, pro basketball and pro baseball, where you have many more, many games, you can start seeing some true things there. And remember, if, you, if you're just betting that blindly, I think that's tough. But if you're going to bet the team anyway, let's say you're going to bet against Golden State. To me, what do you gain from betting the first quarter, uh, betting the opponent in the first quarter only? You gain is do they have a bias to not doing well in the first quarter? Yes or no? Now, what you lose is if you're right about your handicap and you only have one quarter for it to exert itself rather than four quarters. So you are trading something. If if they could somehow play four first quarters, you'd be great. But if you're right about the handicap, the luck factor going against you is much higher in 12 minutes than it is in 48 minutes. You know, that's really a great point. And we should emphasize that so often you hear, well, why don't you just bet the first half versus the game? You really want the 48 minutes if you have the clear cut it's almost right like side. You're, like you're a better chess player than me. If, if we played one game of chess, whatever chance I would have to win against you is much higher than if we played the best of 24. So if there's a truth in a given handicap, the longer you have for that truth to show itself, the better for you. But in this case, you're saying, well, there's a greater truth for a quarter of the game. You've got to balance that. Exactly. Like if we're playing tennis and we're playing first to win four games versus whoever wins the next game, uh, obviously anything can happen in one game. You know, a lot of people would be, you know, disingenuous and not do this for themselves. But I always try to be honest. All right, let's get to some college football. Brad's sitting there kind of disinterested. We'll, we'll try to perk him up a little bit. No, I wasn't. I was listening intently to that. That was very powerful stuff. Uh, all right, so we've got up at pregame.com, at BradPower7 on Twitter. He's putting out a ton of good stuff. Free is your one through, what, 130? 130. So you can look at all, peruse all of them. We're going to go 10 through 6 and then 5 through 1 next week. And then we'll probably pull out ten, 5 or so other teams that are high interest. So we're just going to go down to each of these teams and give your key handicapping points. Number 10. Michigan, a, a team that I expect to be much improved this year. Probably about a touchdown or so better than last year's team that went 8-5. and five. Where does that major upgrade come from? The quarterback spot. Michigan quarterbacks terrible last year. Nine touchdown passes combined from their three starters, the, the least amount since 1975 for them. They get a transfer from Ole Miss and Shea Patterson, who has at least the expectation is he can be a top 10, 15 quarterback nationally. And if that's the case, then even my number 10 rating of Michigan here is going to be a little bit low because it's a team that's got a clear, maybe probably top five defense. And really the only thing missing from Michigan the last three years that gets them over the hump is the quarterback play. How good is Harbaugh at the college level? I'm glad you asked that question. It's an interesting story. Yes, it is. Very good. But I'm not willing to say he's great yet. But I will say this. Has there ever been a guy that's probably you know judged by an inch or two more than Harbaugh? I go back to the Ohio State game two years ago where they have the game. It's fourth down. JT Barrett gets it. 
Well, I'm not. I'm just saying if he gets stopped on fourth down, Michigan goes to the Big Ten championship game, would be likely favored by a touchdown or so over Wisconsin, gets to the playoff. What would be the narrative on Jim Harbaugh if that was the case? One inch. Well, Brad, he actually did get stopped, and most people that look at that feel that that was a very favorable call for R.J. Bell's Buckeyes. I have no comment. (laughs) Scoreboard. All right, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, but the unfortunate thing is the scoreboard is 1-5 against his two rivals, Michigan State, 0-3 against, uh, you know, obviously, Ohio State. And I'm starting to see, you want to talk narrative, I'll, I'll you know, kind of connect the dots. Jim Harbaugh's hero growing up, Bo Schembechler, played for Bo Schembechler. Has there, is there a coach in college football history that's more prominent and gets more love than Bo Schembechler, a guy that never won a national title, a Michigan program? If that's the expectation is to win national titles, well, the last 70 years it hasn't been about winning national titles in Michigan. They have a half of one in 70 years. So I think a little bit unrealistic expectations for Harbaugh. You recognize that one? A half of one? A half. I don't tend to. I mean, Nebraska would have been favored, and they played in a bowl game out of bet Nebraska. Yeah, I agree. Vegas, uh, you know. So I say zero. All right. I'm all right with that. I think, you know how, like, Central Florida has their, you know, we all can create our own reality. Yeah. Zero for Michigan. Yeah, I'm fine with that. (laughs) Next team. Next team, Penn State, a team that I have some serious doubts on. And I think the the big storyline is going to be, how do they replace? So so nine— has them? What's the AP like? Who? Let's use a reference point. What's the public think? Public thinks Penn State's probably about seven, seven ish. I have them number nine, and I think I, there's a possibility they can be a little bit high at this point. The major question marks not who replaces Saquon Barkley. I think the bigger issue for Penn State is can they replace their offense coordinator Joe Moorhead? Because keep in mind, a year and a half ago, James Franklin, the head coach that's much celebrated now, was on the hot seat. Seven and six each of his first two years. Got blown out by Michigan. Lost to Pittsburgh. They're getting beat by Ohio State. They lose that game. Uh, I don't know if James Franklin's here. What happened with uh, Penn State? Offense. Joe Moorhead, Colin Place, was a first-year coordinator there. They really took off. And, and with Joe Moorhead off to Mississippi State, I got some worries about Penn State. Okay, so this is where I love a guy that's a specialist. Because, I mean, people might know, even if they're not specialists, who the coordinator was he's leaving. The question is, how important is that? How good was this guy? Now, what's your thoughts on the replacement? First look, he's a guy that coached in the bowl game against Washington. First look was a good one against a very good Washington defense. But never been a coordinator before. Was hired from within. I, I, I'm not going to know until game three or four. Right now, I, I would say it's a, it's a downgrade. No question about it. Certainly a question mark. Yes. And what I've often seen is when you hire within a guy that wouldn't be coordinator if the head, the senior guy hadn't left, first year you do okay because it's, it's almost like trying to copy a recipe to cook something is if you can do it exactly the same, there's really no difference. But all of a sudden now, oh, those tomatoes we used to get, that certain brand, they don't make those anymore. Now what? Well, you don't know how to do it because you've just been kind of emulating. And I know nothing about this guy, but in general, it's almost like back in the old days, the youngsters might remember people used to make, make uh, mixtapes and someone would say, oh, make me a copy of that. Well, was it a second generation, a third generation? Each generation of the tape would have lesser sound quality. And I think as time goes on, when you have a copycat, and I'm not saying this guy is, 
But oftentimes these junior guys are. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. And I, I guess I'm not as concerned this year. Because the, the big bridge gap is you got your starting quarterback back, Trace McSorley, one of the better quarterbacks, but definitely a future of Penn State football because that was the issue for them. The first two and a half years under James Franklin, a led team, offense was pathetic, and that was even with a guy like Christian Hackingbird under center. Pregame.com, I'm R.J. Bell talking to Brad Powers, team number eight. Wisconsin, a team that I actually think is better than last year's Wisconsin team that won a school record 13 games, but... Am I betting Wisconsin season win total over 10? No. I think the, the biggest storyline for the Badgers this year is much more difficult schedule than a year before. If you remember, Wisconsin was favored in all 12 of their regular season games. Not going to be the case this year at Michigan, at Penn State. Clear underdog roles there. But Wisconsin does have a couple of key things in their favor. Best offensive line, I think, in college football. All five starters back, 150 career starts. Think about that. Five offensive line starters. That's basically like each offensive line starter's got 30 career starts. Basically two and a half, three years of starting experience for each guy. Great offensive line. And maybe the best running back in the country. Bryce Love makes a good case. But if I'm betting who has the most rushing yards in college football this year, it's Jonathan Taylor who broke. Uh, Is that a prop they have out there? I wish they did because I would bet it. Uh, but you can obviously bet the Heisman, and he's got better odds as far as longer odds than Bryce Love. Jonathan Taylor ran last year for an FBS record nearly 2,000 yards. I think he crosses that this year. Badgers are a 10-win team, clearly the favorite in the Big Ten West. Now you've done a great job just your two years here at pregame with the Heisman stuff because you're, you're very player-oriented, you're very research-oriented. I read nine newspapers a day. When will are Heisman odds out? They are. They just got released by a couple books this past week in Vegas. You got any tickets? No, not right now. Ooh. I, I, nothing juicy right now. So what we'll do is not next week, but sometime in the next month or so, once there's enough places where most listeners have access, maybe a Heisman long shot or two? No, no question about Been that. Been a strong suit. Yes, absolutely. Any So Wisconsin... Where do they? I, I all I'm always interested in your opinion versus the the uh, mainstream consensus. So where's Wisconsin mainstream? Mainstream Wisconsin's five or six. I can have them number eight. I think there's clearly some teams on obviously in a neutral. Yeah, so fit. just you think are a little overrated. A little overrated alpha last year's thirteen win season. Seven. Auburn. Here's a team that I think is, at least in my power ranks, most preseason media does not have Auburn in the top 10. I think a majority of it is because Auburn's very tough schedule where they have to travel to Alabama, to Georgia. They have an opener in a neutral site against Washington. All three of those teams, top 10 teams. But I think just talent, personnel for Auburn, clearly top 10 in my opinion. 13 returning stars, one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Jared Stidham. I think a year two in that system, he'll be better. A lot of talk about Auburn losing a great running back and carry on Johnson. The reality is Auburn's had nine straight years with a thousand yard rusher. I'm not worried about that. One of the best defensive lines in college football. Auburn's a clear cut top 10 team. Problem is I agree with the season win total. I see three losses. It's one of the top 10 schedules in terms of difficulty in the country. So it's back to that question. How good is the team? That's level one. Level two is how tough is their schedule 
So good jump in. Yeah, public perceptions down on Auburn. What did they see the last two times Auburn took the field? Loss as a double digit favorite against UCF in the bowl game. And RJ's biggest college football bet of the year against Georgia in the rematch. He took Georgia. Georgia crushed Auburn in the SEC championship game. So the narrative around Auburn is very negative at this point. Yeah, and and thank you. I just I, again, I hate, I whenever I'm getting over being sick, I'm like, this is what it's gonna be like when I'm like seventy, and I'm not I'm not excited about <laughs> it. But I, I guess I've got twenty five years. <laughs> is let's hope is across the season, right? So one, how good is the team at the start of the season? Number two is how good do you expect them to be over the course of the season? Well, what's different? How prone to, do they have a brittle quarterback? Um, how prone to injury is the whole team? Uh, do they have a young, anything that's going to cause a team to um, ebb upwards, like a young coach or a new quarterback? There's all these factors. And then it's okay across the season com- considering how difficult their schedule is. So it sounds like you like Auburn at, at level one is a very good team. Yep. At level two, you don't have any reason to think they get worse throughout the season. Like no. this is a team you like all year. But you don't like their goals necessarily to win a division or get, make the playoffs because of how tough the schedule is. Absolutely, couldn't have said it better. So you might, wow, well, my second try. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Is but you won't be afraid to spot play Auburn this year. No doubt about it. And I think the key game being the opener, here's an Auburn team that's probably thinking down on themselves a little bit after those two straight losses. They beat Washington, a team that's in my top five. I think they get confidence. And keep in mind, Auburn did beat Alabama and Georgia. How many teams in the country can say they can at least go toe-to-toe with those teams, let alone beat the two teams that played for the national title last year? You know, a little kind of take back the curtain, how the sausage is made when it comes to like content we produce. What do you think about this? Maybe at some point in July, find five games that have a throughout the season that have a scheduling situation or some situation that you can identify early that you think is huge for a team. I love it. You, I can't wait to do that. You know, hey, they, not only do they have a bye, but they also play a one double A school, whatever kind of, or hey, this coordinator left here, like those kind of things, you know. One one topic or one segment I think on those look ahead because it also will be people our listeners can put in their pocket these these spots but also how you're thinking about situations yeah uh, and I'll be honest with you the, the the bookmaker I asked this bookmaker specifically if he factors that into his handicap when he puts out game of the years says no there's opportunity to make some money if you can identify what you think is going to be you know maybe a flat spot for a team as far as schedule goes did you try to smarten them up I didn't really say anything. I, I'm I'm learning from Fez. I didn't say anything. I was like, "Oh, really? <laughs> interesting. It's an interesting way to do it." Yeah. Kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. Oh, I, I wouldn't. I, I think. Let's just say this is: I see Brad in a limousine at some point. Not going to a prom or anything, hopefully. But <laughs> how many proms did you go to? Zero. Never, Zero prom. Never went to prom. Worked prom because they couldn't find anyone. Worked prom because all, oh my, that sounds like like a like a One Tree Hill kind of uh, no worked at my storyline 
Oh, I thought you meant they had you like no, cleaning no, up no, the, no. the freaking plates. <laughs> no, no, not that. Working oh, at my regular oh, job. Oh, how sad. <laughs> Could, I mean, couldn't you see like a hunched shouldered Brad? Like no day. Like, and he's he's hunched over like scooping up the cake and stuff. And he sees the girl he has a crush on like dancing with the football player. And he has a real sad look on his face. <laughs> I could have saw that. <laughs> you know what's funny? Fez has a look of like he's not laughing, almost like I have a story to tell here, but I'm 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 gonna hold it. And I was waiting for you to play the clip where he has to take the bus to the uh, to the job. <laughs> no, it's the opposite though. Brad's gonna come back on his twentieth reunion, strutting around, telling stories about. You know, who knows what? Taking the limo to the different <laughs> sports books to um, pick their pockets. Oh, that was great. <laughs> when you said I worked the prop. Yeah. I would have if they'd have paid me more than my regular job. No question about it. Now, I went to four proms. Wow. Yeah. And then there were a couple I could have went to after, but I chose not. I thought it was a, uh, it would have been uncomfortable. Mm. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's true. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all right. Next topic. Go ahead. Number number six. <laughs> number six. Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, here's a team. The major storyline, obviously, losing quarterback, the number one pick in the draft, Baker Mayfield. I'm saying the public perception. Oklahoma's going to be down this year. Here's a team that blew the big lead in the Rose Bowl. They lose Baker Mayfield, one of the all-time leading passers in school history. I'm saying they're in decent shape. Kyler Murray has a higher ceiling, in my opinion, than Baker Mayfield, the guy that won the Heisman, number one pick in the draft. Just good, pure talent aspect. Kyler Murray, who's a five-star player coming out of high school, has already experienced as a starter at Oklahoma game and four or five games at Texas A&M a couple years ago. And I look at the supporting cast, one of the best running backs in the country, Rodney Anderson, one of the best wide receivers in Hollywood Brown, and one of the best offensive lines in college football. 103 career starts coming back for the Sooners, a very offensive-oriented head coach in Lincoln Riley. I'm not as concerned, at least as the rest of the market, on Oklahoma. And then I look at the schedule. Oklahoma clearly favoring all 12 games. In fact, probably a favorite by at least a touchdown, at least six points in all 12 games. That's why I thought the 25 to 1 on Oklahoma to win the national title is a little juicy. Steven, do you think, is 23 too old to go to a prom, you think? Mm. I was just thinking back to my prom days, and I was all set to go. But, but did Buddy Holly play? Well, no, they had to cancel it because World <laughs> War I started. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my grandfather's 95, and I used to ask him, I'll go, now, did you vote for Abe Lincoln or Frederick Douglass? One <laughs> <laughs> started. That's pretty good. All right. Did I hear you right, Brad, that the quarterback for Oklahoma has a higher ceiling than the number one pick in the draft? Yeah, I think he does. So when? what's the timeline on that? Meaning, like, game eight this year. Will you project versus Mayfield last year? Mm, that's tough. I think he's uh, – the problem with Kyler Murray is I think it's a one-year thing with Kyler Murray. He, this is a guy that got drafted. A one-year thing. What does that mean? He just got drafted in the top 10 of the Major League Baseball draft. Says he's going to play one year. So this is an all-in year. Last year he's probably going to play football in his entire life. 
because he's got multi-million dollar things. So that can be positive. It could be a negative because you could fall on, you know, obviously, your laurels of being a Major League Baseball player, but I think he's all in this year. This is the last, If this is the last year I'm going to have playing football, a sport I love, I, I would say from a running aspect, he's far more talented than Baker Mayfield. Boy, does if they somehow, let's say, catch two quick losses, mm. does he maybe quit playing? Because at that point, you're not going anywhere special. I mean, I'm sure he's got some kind of insurance. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, this feels like a team that if they get on a roll, it could actually, like you said, be kind of a, hey, this is our one chance. But if it goes the other way, it feels like the negative momentum could be uh, really a drag. And I took that. I've actually that's been actual advice for me because later on the season, I have already have a couple bets against Oklahoma later in the season when they play Texas and West Virginia. If the the expectation, if it's just not there for Kyler Murray, then I think it's a, a team that I'd like to fade at, you know, game four or five on. Yeah. And if anything, you're probably getting a free roll because I'm guessing they're priced right now as if this Oklahoma team is just the team they're expected to be, a you know, a good team. But there's a chance, maybe it's not a good one, a good chance, but there's a chance that they underperform. And this team's, I think Oklahoma would be more susceptible to dropping off. Yes. Okay. Number, is, is that That's it? it? That's it. That's so it. next week it's five through one. Yep. All right. Let's keep going. Pregame.com, RJ Bell. We got NFL. Let's just keep going football, baby. Christmas albums in June <laughs> and NFL. But I, you know, I love it because one, it's helping us get ready. But two, there's bets to be made now. And speaking of that, we do have two best bets coming up from these five teams. Faz, you've done one through 20. Let's start now. With 25 counting down to 21, 2015. Counting up, right, RJ? Uh, we're counting down 25, 20. Fair enough. Right? All right. 25. Like, we don't start at one. I mean, you ever listen to Casey Kasem? <laughs> let me, here, let, let, this will be a tip for you. 10, 9, 8, <laughs> 7, 6, 5. Got it? I got it. Number 25. <laughs> the Chicago Bears storyline here. Trubisky, the much despised Trubisky, could he become a serviceable quarterback with a big upgrade with Nagy taking over for Fox, big head coach upgrade, and some oh, weapons and wide receiver? Hold on, hold on. This is your headline. All right, hold, hold on, hold on. Could Trubisky be a serviceable quarterback. And if he is, the Bears are a playoff contender, RJ, because the other pieces are in place. We're going for serviceable. That's, that's the upside. That's all we need. Because in the number two pick. For this year. For year baby, two. Baby steps, RJ. So which serviceable? Like in 1 to 32, what do you consider serviceable? 22nd, 24th in the league. So the big question is, can he be the 24th best quarterback in the league? Yes. No one will ever accuse Fezzik <laughs> of hyping anything up for clickbait. <laughs> I mean, I think you should do a test at Fezzik Sports if you want these this kind of, you know, clickbaity stuff. Some people like it. Some people don't. At Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K, is just tweet out, alert, could... Trubisky be a serviceable quarterback. I think the click numbers would be like huge. 
I think that John Nagy, their new head coach, is going to be so much better with them than John Fox, a old school guy that really had the time had passed him by. And look at the additions that the weapons that Trubisky has this year, wide receiver. He's got Robinson from Jacksonville, picks up Gabriel from Atlanta, Kevin White, who only played one game last year for the Bears in his third year, hopefully will be healthy. Last year, the Bears wide receiving core was so horrendous. Kendall Wright was their number one receiver. He got 614 yards. No other receiver for the Bears got 400 yards. He had, yes, he was bad, but he had no one to throw to. So, Stephen, you, what, what's your thoughts on uh, Trubisky specifically? Trubisky is going to do better this year. The, the key question is how much better. I, you know, people talk about why the NFL is, is so bad and losing popularity with concussions, the anthem, and all that. My reason is because of guys like John Fox and Jeff Fisher. Uh, John John Fox is just. Uh, he never took the training wheels off Trubisky all season, even though the Bears was obviously they weren't going anywhere. He never let him air it out or anything. And Trubisky finished the, the season, had 12 starts, 10 turnovers while accounting for nine touchdowns. So, you know, th- those are horrible numbers. But uh, as Steve mentioned, now he has some weapons. He's got a sharp offensive guy to, to run the show. I, I could see him, uh, you know, really becoming a possibly uh, a middle-of-the-road type of quarterback. And if that happens, though, the Bears are very live to be 500. So is this analogous to golf? It has some similarities. Obviously, they're not going to make the playoffs probably like the Rams are. But yes, it is analogous to golf. The theory being second year, theory being an old coach, old-school coach, and now uh, a more modern mentality. Yes. How Definitely. How are we reading... Uh, I know you got to take it with a grain of salt, but is there like this talk of all oh, Trubisky, the lights are turning on. Do we get a sense that there's a, a quantum leap coming? I mean, from the reports or nothing, nothing we've heard that we would say either way with that. Nothing we've heard. And a concern is that, and this could well have been Fox, that he absolutely just would not hand the keys to the car over to him. They, they were so conservative with him. They just did not let him throw last year. Brad, one of your ways you exploit the NFL, you know these college players so well that you have an edge with these younger players especially. What was your take on Trubisky at the college level? Because some people would say, and no one in this room, but some would say, well, he was the number one pick or number two pick. He must be good. So... I wouldn't have drafted him in the top 10. I didn't. Sample size wasn't there. Only one year starter. How, how often do you see a guy go in the top two of the NFL draft? Only one year starting at quarterback. Couldn't beat out Marquise Williams, who he battled for a couple of years prior to his junior year. Actually saw him in high school. He went to Menor High School, a suburb of Cleveland. You know, a good, solid thrower. I just didn't see enough. I mean, when a guy's only started 12 or 13 games, when you're like a Baker Mayfield has started three, four years, I just didn't see enough. And it's not like he won a lot of games in North Carolina. It's interesting how a team like this is what you would gain. Let's say you said, okay, you have a choice. You can bet a team's over-under win total now at a 20-cent straddle, minus 110, minus 110, or after three games, but you can bet at the original number, but you got to lay minus 180, or I don't know what the right number would be. I think the Bears would be one of the handful of teams that three games is going to tell you more than most of the other teams because this is such a big question mark. It's almost analogous to saying, hey, if so-and-so's mobility is there, I love this team, the quarterback, 
well, that's a great in-game bet because you can find that out even in a possession where they might have to punt. Oh, but at least he's moving all right. They just punted. Their odds have gotten worse because they have one possession with no score, but you bet on that team. Go ahead, I just think that's a great analogy in terms of the uncertainty. How confident am I in my handicap? Contrast it to a team like Jacksonville. We all feel Jacksonville. We know pretty much how good they're going to be. There aren't as many moving parts compared to a team like the Bears. And I think that's a great, I never thought of it this way, is identify what your big questions are in your handicap and ask yourself, is there a way to answer those questions and still bet this game? With a given game, there certainly is, right, in game. With a team, you can still bet Super Bowl odds and such after you know a game or two or three or whatever, but not season wins. It'd be nice if a book, I wonder why, Fez, I mean, you, you booked with, I mean, you were there with Henry with Pinnacle for a while. You understand the other side of the counter, and, and you certainly kiss up to him. Peace and love, peace and love. Why wouldn't they just put out an over-under win total for the season after each week? Just a matter of manpower. It takes too many hours, too much adjustments to make weeks one and two where the big adjustments have to be made. Ah, boy, it seems like if you, I mean, it seems like you'd have a project, you could just have a power rating and situational uh, adjustments for given weeks built in. I mean, they're generating that season, all the work they did to generate the season win total to start with, looking at it game by game and the fractional way of saying percentage chance to win. As you had made your assumption adjustment about the teams as the season progresses, that would all propagate through, it would seem. Yeah, I would think that's a lazy take because, I mean, anytime I'm adjusting a, a, a power rating of one or two points in the offseason or a half point, all I got to do is just plug that into my season win thing and it'll adjust the line for every single game. Yeah, and but, then that adjusts out the fractional chance to win the game. Yes, absolutely. But it's so difficult with huge quarterback injuries. Look at the Indianapolis Colts when they, when they were unable to get um, luck to play. They took the season win number off. They never put it back up before okay, so even week take, one. So you have, you're saying if there's a huge quarterback injury, you have to take it off the board. Right. Okay. And for the other 31 teams? They could do it. They just don't have the man hours. Look at him. He's defending bookies. Yeah. Man hours. Them. It's a change of power rating. Plug it in. I could do that in a minute. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to go ahead and set those, I'd be more than happy to bet into you. Lay a dollar twenty. Well, there you go. That's the point, right? Pregame.com. Okay. How good, last question on the Bears, assume a robot quarterback and everyone had the same robot. So there's no differentiation a quarterback. And Steven, maybe you can perk up, give us an answer here. Where's the Bears 1-32 to if quarterback were a non-issue? I have them still as, as a bottom six type team. Uh, hold, hold on a second. You're saying if quarterbacking is not a factor. Right. The Bears are one of the six worst teams. Well, I, I, I don't like their talent level. I don't like their management. Uh, this is uh, Ryan Pace has been their GM the last four years. They're 14 and uh, 34 in the last four years. They they just uh, maybe it'll get turned around with Nagy. Where would you put the Browns without quarterback as an issue? I think the Browns uh, could have comparable talent. Wow. Yeah. See, I would think the Browns would be like the 10th best team without a quarterback. I think they both could make the playoffs, and definitely Cleveland could make the playoffs. So you're th- so 12 playoff teams, you're saying both the uh, Fezzik, you're saying both the Bears and Browns are right in that 9 to 12 range without quarterback as a consideration. Cleveland 10, Chicago 14. And you just massively disagree, Stephen. 
Well, yes, I disagree. I don't think the talent. Uh, I think Cleveland has better talent than the Bears outside, you know, quarterback. I, I think the. I, I disagree so much. The Bears would destroy the Lions. They destroy your Packers if they both just put a robot. That's an out. interesting question because the Packers and the Colts are the two teams we always use as an example. Without a quarterback, you know, Packers top five or six with. And bottom five or six without. You know, you're you're talking about the Bears, about who they added. Okay, they also lost people. On defense, they lost Pernell McGee. They lost uh, Willie Young. On offense, they lost Josh Sitton for their offensive line. I mean, they lost some people, too. And as far as this big upgrade at wide receiver, uh, Allen Robinson is coming off an ACL. Kevin White has never been healthy. I think this is something to keep a track on, too, during the offseason, how their rehab is progressing. Brad, where would you put the Bears' uh, Sons quarterback? 16, maybe. An average team, I would say, without quarterback. That seems mm. about right for me. Kind of splitting well, the difference. Been, yeah, they've been <laughs> drafting. They, they've been drafting high. I mean, I guess maybe they're just not drafting any anyone good. You He's know, to be, good. to be fair, the Bears are an analytics darling. Their stats are, have always, historically, the last few years, been great compared to their win-loss record. And consider, even with back quarterbacks... Yeah, it's interesting. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Okay, now we're going down. So 25 24. 24, the Buffalo Bills. The narrative is this was one of the worst playoff teams that you will ever see, and they're going to be bad this year, and they're going to get even worse as the year progresses. All right, so let's that's that's a decent headline. So one of the worst playoff teams you'd ever see, the Bills, and man, oh, man, they're going to be even worse this year. Let's start with how bad, quote-unquote, they were last year. They played a 1,000 times, 1,000 seasons, What's the average Bears record last year? Average. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Check that. Buffalo. Bills. Yeah. Bills would have gone seven and nine. They got out gave, outscored by about 60 points. So by the Pythagorean theorem, they should have gone seven and nine, but they went five and two in close games. And that's why they went nine and seven. All right. So slightly below average, the Bills were. They made the playoffs. How much worse are they this year? They're a good <laughs> game and a half worse because... Tyrod Taylor is being replaced by A.J. McCarron. And although A.J. McCarron did have a solid 2015 season, by all accounts, he is a journeyman, um, not really ready to start quarterback in the NFL, and it's a big downgrade. Okay, so on a points-per-game basis, about two points, McCarron? Yes. And as we look across the season, back to that different start of the season, across the season, I was able to remember, (laughs) You actually think there's a pitfall not that far into the future for the Bills. Yes, because the Bills have the unique storm of they drafted Josh Allen. They want to get him in there, and their schedule is so front-loaded. They have one of the most difficult first-half schedules in the NFL, meaning they're going to probably start somewhere in the 2-6 and six range type of record, and then they're going to bench McCarron, 
bring in Allen, and all of a sudden, remember when we talked about the Bills tanking last year? It's going to. Oh, no, no. You were talking about it. I was harassed. I was joking and making fun of you. Exactly. Remember when you were correct to make fun (laughs) of my poor forecast about the Bills tanking last year? It's going to feel like they're tanking, I feel, this year because Allen is, by all reports, is absolutely not ready to be anything close to an NFL quarterback, but I think they're going to play him second half of the year. Listen, guys, if you ever wonder, you know, does Fezzik hold back? Does he try to put a shine on things? If he's bringing up that he thought the Bills, a playoff team, were going to tank, you know you're getting the truth. I mean, geez. Okay, now, Mr. Nover has a bonus best bet on this team. Hold on. Okay, is the soundboard done? Okay, I can talk now. Uh, okay, uh, I'm lining up behind Fez, not just strong, but super strong. This is my uh, best bet. Bills under six and a half wins. They uh, they ended their playoff drought uh, 17 straight years without a playoff until this past year. So maybe uh, they'll you know the monkeys off their back there mentally. But uh, I, I just look at their personnel and. Uh, I, uh, I'm i not a fan of McCarron. I would rank him as the worst quarterback. I think he has, he has no weapons. Um, the wide receivers I rank as the worst. Three of their off- offensive linemen, probably their best three, two of them retired. The left tackle, uh, Cordy Glenn, uh, the left guard, Richie Incognito, and the center, um, Eric Wood. Uh, well, Glenn actually left. He went to another team. Incognito and, and Wood retired. And... Uh, so they're, they're going to be breaking in a new offensive line. Their one weapon, LaShawn McCoy, he's, he turns 30 when the regular season goes. And uh, he had his lowest per uh, average rush of his nine-year career last year. It was 3.9 yards per carry. McCarron is not going to, he's not the dynamic force. Uh, he's not mobile like Tyrod Taylor was. Their defense, not nearly good enough to carry such a weak offense. 18th in points allowed last year, 26th in yardage. I look at, uh, as Steve mentioned, the, the first half is really uh, brutal for them. And uh, I see them going 1-7 and seven in the first half of the season. They open up at Baltimore. Then they host the Chargers, a team that beat them by 30 points last year. Then they're at Minnesota at Green Bay. They host the Titans in Week 5. Then they're at the Texans in Week 6, at the Colts at Week 7. And then in Week 8, uh, the Patriots. So I'm looking at one and seven, best case scenario there, two and six. At that point, they could just pull the plug. Josh Allen time. Here's a guy, 56% percentage in college, interceptions in 21 of his last 25 games. He's a project. He's not going to be ready. The wheels are going to be totally off. I don't see them getting uh, anywhere near uh, seven wins. What do you think of that? You like it as a bat fest? Yeah, I really like it as a bet because although I have the Bills 24 in my power rankings to start the year, a uh, merged or weighted power rating based upon where, where I think they'll be for the course of the season, it's much more at the very bottom of the league once Allen takes over. Yeah, I, I, again, I love the instructional side of this. I love that the Bills, I'm always thinking, what is the 20 minute a week or the watch a half hour sports center a night type guy thinking? And they're thinking, oh, Bill's got a big question mark, a quarterback. But, you know, Allen was a high pick. And, boy, uh, they they traded Adam McCarron. I heard he was supposed to be almost as good. You know, he was going to start in Cincinnati a few times. Like, you, the sense is, I think, Bills are pretty good. And you guys are saying 
you know, potentially one of the, you know, over the course of the season, one of the seven or eight worst teams in the league. I have them ranked as the worst team. Right now. Right now, I'd say they're the worst team. Holy cow. So, if, if, well, no one's going to remember. Who's your worst team, Fez? Jets. Okay, so you would have the Jets favored over the Bills yes. on the neutral. Yes. That's a strong statement. That's a strong statement. You know, RJ, all the bad teams are pretty good right now, though. It's not like the end of the year when you got some teams, typically this happens, that really the wheels come off. To start the season, these power ratings are pretty darn close on these bottom 10 teams. All right. And also, we're going to have, with not the next team, but the team after, Fez's best bet. So you're getting them all. All right. Buffalo, 24. Now team 23. Washington Redskins. And although my rating pretty much agrees with the marketplace, their season win number is seven. I do think this is all about the quarterback change. Alex Smith takes over for Kirk Cousins, and I have Kirk Cousins rated as a borderline top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Alex Smith's much more in the middle. He won't have the weapons he had at Kansas City. I think getting used to those receivers, and he doesn't have much in the way of receivers at Washington, they could really struggle early in the year. If you're going to bet on Washington, I would encourage you to look later in the year after Alex Smith gets some continuity, probably a go-against team in September. Would you say Alex Smith's season last year was his best season? Yes. All right. Was that just because of the weapons or was that because of some evolution on his part? There was some evolution where he went from Charlie Checkdown continuously throwing screen passes on third and 18 to going deep to Tyreek Evans and the weapons he had. But certainly the emergence of his rookie running back onto started so hot helped helped set up that deep passing game. Steven, how do you compare for 2018 if they were both playing in two scenarios for Washington? Do you consider Alex Smith to be a significant downgrade? Not significant, but a downgrade. I, I like Cousins better. But Alex Smith, uh, it, it wasn't just the system and the weapons. He did step up. I agree with Steve there. He That was the best I've ever seen him play because he attacked more. But um, I, uh, I I like Cousins better. So it's sort of analogous to Keenum, right? If we look at Keenum's full career versus last year, we can say, oh, it's an aberration. Or since that aberration or that outlier was the most recent year, it could be something's changed. It could be, but yeah, you look at you know, having Diggs and Thielen to throw to for Keen, made, made Keenum a MVP candidate quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying is it, it, when the outlier is three years back, it's easy to dismiss it. It's not as easy. You know, think of Andre Agassi, right? At one point he was out of the rank, famously out of the rankings, then he started winning some tennis tournaments. You could have said, oh, look at, you know, look at the last year. He's no good. Or you could say, oh, something's changed. But it sounds like you're acknowledging something's improved with Smith, but not enough for you to like him over Cousins. Yeah, I think what happened is, although I respect what he did last year, I don't think he's going to be able to do it with the weapons he has in Washington. Speaking of the Redskins, their coaching staff. I, I've I've seen no other team where the opinion is more different between the public's opinion and the wise guys. Meaning the public thinks Gruden Jay is good, a good coach. Most wise guys think Gruden is Jay again is a bad coach, maybe one of the five worst. Uh, 
Where do you come down? Oh, I think he's slightly below average. I certainly wouldn't put him on the on, at the very bottom tier. But frankly, you know, we were trying to rank Mackie and I before the show our top NFL coaches, and once we got past about eight or nine, we had trouble because we didn't like any of them. I'm not a Jay Gruden fan, RJ. He's uh, been there four years. He's had one winning season. That was a nine and seven season. And with the Redskins, with Daniel Snyder as their owner, not the most patient guy since 2000. No Redskin coaches lasted more than four years. This is the start of Gruden's fifth season. I don't know if he lasts at 15 to one. He could be the first coach fired. Hmm. Interesting. So would you put a little sprinkle low on that? Maybe. Yes. Yeah. Based on, on who the owner is of the Redskins. Uh, I'm not a fan of Jay Gruden and uh, I see them uh, not being as, as good at quarterback. So it, it could be worth a shot. Although and, Hugh Jackson's a huge favorite though, but uh, really? Yeah. For the first coach to be fired. Hugh. You would think they, if they cap, if they cap this <laughs> long, they're going to yeah. give him a chance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, are the naked pictures going to disappear? Oh, wait. <laughs> any closing thoughts on Washington? I think we're good. All right. One, only one commercial break. I'm going to play a little music, Stephen, to intro the commercial. Is that okay? Yeah, go right I mean, ahead. with your vast multimedia experience. As long as it's a song from the 60s. No, no, no. But with your vast experience with very, you know, producing very successful podcasts and TV shows, I wanted, you know, you'll give us that list. You have my permission. When we come That's back, okay. you'll give us that list, right? Yes. yes sure. Okay, great. I'll be waiting. Got a new sponsor. Maybe it's because of Stephen Nover. Who knows? Got a new sponsor. Keeps, keeps. This is for uh, Brad. Can we can we talk honestly? Yeah. This is for thinning hair. Oh, <laughs> you're gonna be like the guy on this one. Yep. Because we'll, as the weeks go by, as long as keeps keeps paying us, we'll be discussing how you think about it. If anything, we might be able to get you some free yeah, merchandise. This is interesting. All right, I'm just gonna read their their typical copy this week, and then we'll get a little more in more in provision. Next week, fellas, important question to you. Do you feel like, and Brad, jump in at any yeah, point here. <laughs> Brad, important question to you. Do you think you've got a little less hair than you used to? Oh, absolutely. Be honest with yourself. The more you run from the truth, the faster the truth will catch up to you. It's, it caught me a long time ago. <laughs> so here's the thing. There are two clinically proven medications that let you keep your hair. And now they're inexpensive and easy to get. Long story short, but the important thing is that you don't need to lose your hair if you don't want to. Now, do you want to lose your hair? I'm indifferent. You're indifferent. Yeah. I don't think that's good for the commercial. No, it's not. <laughs> but wait, this will be the guy <laughs> that we convince that, that that indifference doesn't make any sense. When I'm looking and talking to you, I'm indifferent. But if I'm at the bar exactly. trying to pick up a lady, then, yeah, I'd prefer to have more hair. That is true. And even if you're married or something, you don't want the, the fire to go out of your relationship. Mm, good call. That's why we need to talk about keeps. For a few minutes now, in just $1 a day, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. And that's part of it. It's, it's in your mind, right? Our producer... KC went through the sign-up process, and it's quick and easy. <laughs> Where they figure I wouldn't do it, so they, the producer did it. Just enter some personal details and your address so they 
know where to send the product, answer only a handful of simple, straightforward questions, and submit three photos of your head to the doctor to look at, and you're done. It took him less than five minutes, and now he's on his way to a glorious hair like Clark Kent. Mm. Wow, like Superman. That's hard to imagine. (laughs) Unlike Zuckerman, who has accepted his quarantine calamity and looks like Lex Luthor. Dude, they're talking about you here. Wow. Is your name Zuckerman? No. Like, is it a fake name, Brad Powers? It's Zuckerman. No, it's not Zuckerman. (laughs) If you could reverse your hair loss and all it costs was five minutes a day and a buck a day, why aren't you already doing it? Keeps is just $10 to $35 a month. Plus, now you can get the first month free. Guys, here it is. One hell of a deal for keeping your hair. There's no reason to put this off any longer. Stop hair loss today. The easy way with keeps. Now, just extemporaneously, I'll say this. These things do work as far as I can see. Is I, I've known more than a few people that do this common this combination where they just do some drops every day. And not only do you see they the, they stop losing, they actually start to grow hair, which is pretty wild to see. So here's the special offer. To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash dream. So this isn't a promo code. This is the URL. Keeps.com slash dream. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash dream. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. All right. Next up, bet DSI. Now, we were talking about they've got odds on LeBron James where he's going to go. And they've got some jumbo numbers. So here's what I'll say. If you specifically like, Brad, if you don't mind, pull up Bet DSI as we're talking and you can read some of the jumbo long shots. I want to make sure that the numbers are what I remember them being a day or two ago. So what do we got this weekend, guys? We got the U.S. Open. Obviously, there's betting after every round. The World Cup. Now, up in the pregame.com forums, we should have some good stuff with that. MLB regular season. And Obviously, a lot of football's out, and, you know, I tell you, I, I can't, I'm shocked at the number of, hey, RJ, how much World Cup stuff are we going to get? I mean, it's huge betting, and even if you're not an expert, most of you aren't going to be World Cup experts, is that's the beauty of pregame.com, places like it, you find someone that knows what they're doing, soccer's, to me, soccer's not all that thrilling, you better have a little something on it. You're going to watch the games, at least if you're watching them out of the corner of your eye. A lot of action this summer. How long does the World Cup go? Is it like over two weeks, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, a lot of action there. So Bet DSI, 20 years in business. We've talked about this before. Podcast one, it, we're part of that family, the Dream Preview, and Adam Carolla. We're specially aligned with him, and... Bet DSI spending, you know, real money, not just here, but at many of the podcast one shows. And to me, that's a sign they obviously want customers, but they just as obviously have a long-term vision. So to me, you got to wonder, you're going to get paid and is it a good customer experience? And in my opinion, Bet DSI, you can feel pretty good about both of those. And as we said, a lot of action and I think some particularly juicy LeBron 
odds. So who's the the long shots up there? Boston fifty to one right now. Golden State forty five to one. Spurs twenty five to one. Heck, even the favorite at other books where you have to lay minus money on the Lakers at Bet DSA and get the Lakers plus two fifty. Okay, so that's interesting. And to me, that Boston at fifty to one is is nice. Is a nice bet. Um, and I gave that out on the weekend show straight out of Vegas on Fox national. That's 11 o'clock Pacific on Friday and 10 o'clock Pacific on Saturday, two hours on Saturday. So here's what you do. You go to beddsi.com and use dream 25 as your promo code. That helps us out. Anytime you use a promo code and they're offering up to 2,500 bucks for free on your first deposit. And again, if you like the Celtics, which are 10 to one at another book, is the Celtics at fifty to one? Sprinkle. I wouldn't mind having. I wouldn't mind having two hundred bucks on that. Mm. Actually, that's what I would bet. BetDSI.com. Use promo code Dream Twenty Five. And lastly, our old friend True Car. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with the terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for. But what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the True Car price on the car, like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if True Price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people pay for the same car you want. And your certified dealers know this. So they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to go and buy a newer used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. You know what I say about that? Take advantage if it's available in your state. How'd I do there, Steven? Sounded good. Pretty good? Yeah. No good. no feedback? No, very, very good. All right. You let me know, though, all right? At any point, I want you to feel free to jump in if you think the show could be better. I want to jump Go in. Go ahead, Fess. No one, no one reads <laughs> commercial copy and ad-libs better than the one, the only. What? What is your Twitter? RJ Bell. What's my Twitter? Oh, my God. Play it. <laughs> I think we got Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Everyone's saying what he plays it enough. You should know 50 times. And we, <laughs> we also have to give credit to Brad. What a great job as a straight man. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I agree. You know, agree. Brad wears hats an awful lot. Yeah, I do. I just never really thought about why. There <laughs> 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 we go. Bananas. All right, Fez, we're going to we're going to let you <laughs> we're going to let you segue into what you do best with the best bat. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. All right, Fez, team number 23. 22. 22. 22, and it is the Tennessee Titans 
their season win number, RJ, is eight. So I think this team is massively overrated. So my best bet is for the Titans to go under eight. I have a sexy handicap and I have a boring handicap. I think you want the sexy one first, correct? Uh, whatever is going to help us make money. Here, here we go. Because this, this is your best bet. Yes. Well, the sexy storyline is Marcus Mariota is going to continue to improve, and he's going to become a very good quarterback. I'm really concerned when I look at the stats. He had a breakthrough year in 2016, 26 touchdowns, nine interceptions, quarterback rating of 96. Last year, 13 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, quarterback rating of 79. What is going on? And I think what's going on is here is a quarterback that the offense is reliant upon him using his wheels, using his legs to go ahead and move the chains. And he is, although oftentimes on the field, doesn't miss many games, it seems like he's always playing at 80% and unable to do the things that he could in his rookie year running the ball. And one thing you've helped me see over the years, it's not just if a player is a little hobbled that he won't play as well, but he often won't play as aggressively. Explain yeah, so when it's third and seven, how often do you see a quarterback that's fully healthy? Aaron Rodgers just jogs to the first down, moves the chains, whereas a quarterback that's nursing a hamstring injury, all of a sudden yeah, he's throwing it into double coverage down the field. Why doesn't he just take the first down? Because he knows one more hit, and he's going to be out for the rest of the month. So this feels also at the highest level a lot like Stevens fade of Buffalo, which is we have a playoff team and that's what sticks in that half hour sports center a day fans mind. Absolutely. And what I really like about this is similar to Buffalo. This is a playoff team that shouldn't have been a playoff team. They're a phony playoff team. We talk about Pythagorean theorem all the time. How so many explain that rule just in 30 seconds? Yeah. So a team's win loss record is not nearly as good a measure of how good they were as opposed to how many points did they score? How many points did they give up? That's a better measure. And Tennessee, like Buffalo, got outscored over the course of the season. They were more like a 7-9 and nine team than a 9-7 and seven team. But RJ, here is the trump card for why I don't like this team at all. They got to play in division three games against backup quarterbacks. So when they played Houston the first time, Watson destroyed them. And they get, I think it was Savage, and they win against the backup quarterback. Twice against Indianapolis, they got reset instead of luck. They go 3-1 and one in those games. If you take those three games out against the backup quarterbacks, this team was 6-7, and seven, outscored by over 50 points. And looking forward to 2018, and I love this handicap, when you've got four comparable teams in a division, and you've got a division winner who went 5-1 and one in division like they did. They beat Jacksonville twice. So now Indianapolis and Jacksonville both have double revenge against this team. On top of it, the planets are aligning for the Titans to go down this year. When, when you only play 16 games and you have even a handful against backup quarterbacks, I mean, you look at that strength of schedule, it's assuming how good that team was the whole year. How good were they the week they played you? Yes, and you look at that defense, those defensive stats look pretty good for the Titans. Well above average defense. Of course they look good. Three-sixteenths of their season was against Stiffs at quarterback. Good stuff from Faz. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oops. Oops. <laughs> All right, Stephen, what do you think? Well, you know, also it was a very down year last year in the AFC and it allowed the, the Titans and the Bills to sneak into the playoffs. Uh, this year, uh, the Texans, the Colts, the Chargers, the Ravens, the Dolphins, they all should be 
much better. Uh, some of these teams had key injuries last year, and these guys should be healthy this year, at least going into the season. Uh, having said that, though, I'm not quite as down on the Titans as you are, Fez, because uh, obviously everything hinges on Mariota. He's one of these quarterbacks, as you aptly point out, he needs his mobility to be effective. If he doesn't have his legs, he's uh, below average. But if he has his legs, then he's well above average, in my opinion. They have a very good offensive line. They have a very good secondary. They have a running back, Derek Henry, Henry, free of DeMarco Murray now at 50 to 1 to lead the NFL in rushing. You know, may put a peanut on that. Uh, so they have some things in place. Uh, a new coach, uh, I, I wasn't a fan of Malarkey, so I have to consider that an upgrade. So they have some things that uh, could show better than 8 and 8. You know what's funny? The nitty professor, imagine if you saw Stephen Nover, let's say at the Gold Coast. And you're thinking, there, there's Stephen Nova. Good chance of seeing me. They're eating a hot dog. You know, I he's been on, he's produced many great TV shows and radio shows and award-winning podcasts. And you know, he's. I did. Uh, well, I, it seemed like it. Oh, I thought okay. I, I thought you just were holding it back. I think you're holding the wrong resume. <laughs> yeah. And then you walk up and say, "Uh oh, he's making a bet." It's like he's moving. He's moving towards the window. What what possibly could it be betting? And it's like, can I get behind him? Can I get I'm behind him. Now I'm gonna hear exactly what he's betting. And he walks up and he goes, uh, Henry, uh, most rushing yards, um, five dollars to win. <laughs> he is the nitty professor. There's no, listen, there's no pretense he's betting a thousand a game. This is the guy that a guy like Fezzik gets his information and goes bets a lot more than he does. But you're honest about it. I want to have money left over to buy a couple hot dogs. <laughs> right, Fat, there. Have you ever known a nittier sharp guy? No. And just before the meeting, you weren't here, RJ, the <laughs> podcast. This is a great story because Stephen knows someone who knows someone who might have inside information on where LeBron is going. And I was like, text him back. Ask him because he asked Stephen, do you have any lines available I can bet? And Stephen just said, no, I'm not. I'm not in Vegas and didn't try to get more information. I didn't think it was fair, you know, if, to take his information if I can't give him information back. So, jeez, <laughs> oh, <laughs> the nitty professor, the opposite of Ric Flair. <laughs> Could you see him up in the promo? Like, oh. I don't drive in a limousine. <laughs> I don't steal kisses. I'm not a millionaire. <laughs> I have no mansion. I have no yacht. <laughs> <laughs> well, all true. <laughs> all right. The last team of our five in the NFL. Then we got a little bit of John. Well, actually, this is the Raiders, number 21. We're going to talk a little Gruden here after. And then a little bit, a little bit about Delaware in New Jersey. Let's talk Raiders. Yeah, Oakland, my number 21 team. Obviously, I have them way lower than the marketplace. Their season win is eight. There's even some eight and a halves. Out there. So, so that's saying the market's saying they're what, like 13, 12, 14, about, about the number 14 team. And what's going on here? Well, the Raiders are the ultimate public team out there in many ways. This all started in 2016 when it got announced they're moving to Las Vegas. Vegas adopted the team. And for whatever reason, you know, we originate all the lines that the betting on the Oakland Raiders has always been brisk backing the Raiders and the bookmakers know this and juice up the lines accordingly. And the fact that they went 12 and four when 
They were first announced to be moving to Vegas. They became the ultimate public team. And now they're hiring in what I would call the ultimate public coach in Gruden. The markets are sky high in this team. And they seem to have forgotten that when they did go 12 and four, two years ago, that was really statistically a nine and seven team that overachieved winning a whole lot of close games. So would you agree that after the announcement, the Raiders coming to Vegas, the amount of Oakland money here in town went way up, went crazy up. So it used to always, they were always a fairly public team, but it went up big. Absolutely. Very similar to what happened with the Golden Knights. Same thing with uh, hockey. Now, the, the Knights justified that money. The Raiders so far, not so much. Last year, their season win number opened up at 10. Obviously, 6 and 10, extreme disappointment. Okay. John Gruden, very public coach, doesn't mean he's bad. 1 to 32, if you're hiring, where's he on the Fezzik? draft and i'm gonna ask uh the nitty professor the same question you know i have them a lot lower i think than most people right around 17 right in the middle i'm very well, you think you're lower than most people hmm. i think i think most edge or sharp let's say vegas sharps have gruden in the 20s oh. if not low 20s interesting i thought because i know many people that 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 do like him so uh, but sharp I, guys um guys i consider fairly sharp yes hmm. Where would you put him, Nov? Top seven. What? Top seven. I think you also have to consider his top just, seven. Yes, I, I in like two thousand in two thousand seven. No, two thousand eighteen. <laughs> no, no, he's he stayed on top of the game. That uh, Monday night job allows him tremendous access into each team. He stayed up on it. No, I'm not saying he doesn't understand what the offenses are doing. I'm saying is he willing? RJ, I mean, it seems like all he does is rail against where the game is gone. No, you just think the NFL is full of good coaches. It's not. There's not that many good coaches. He is one of the really sharp coaches who can make a difference. Uh, he's not going to be one of these John Fox type of guys. He's going to come in there. He, he's going to kick some butt. And uh, he also hired. He made some good hires. He's got Paul Gunther as his defensive coordinator, very well respected, coming you know from the Bengals. Tom Cable as his offensive line coach, maybe one of the top three offensive line coaches in the NFL. So a head coach, you also have to look at his key assistants, too, when you make an assessment on how good the head coach is. Boy, I love it. I love a strong, honest, contrary opinion. Um, I, hmm, you know what I think it is? And I'm not saying it is, but it's it's kind of like, Wish fulfillment. You want, as you get older, and I certainly, I mean, not like Stephen, but I can relate, is you want, like, I remember, you know, older, even older listeners will think Jack, when Jack Nicholas was making his run in 86, I was 16 and I was an Ohio State fan even then. And it was like, I was rooting on the Golden Bear. But imagine if you're 50 or 45 and you see Nicholas at 46, I think he was. You know, making putts, down six, storming back. Like, go, old man, go. You know, because it makes you feel like, oh, you know, I'm not so old. Is the game has changed so much. You look at a Gruden and you think if there's any old school guy that could maybe make it work, it's him. I mean, you think you think there might be some of that going on here? Like, finally, a guy like Bart Starr that, <laughs> that, that, that will show these young you know, whippersnapper or something. Well, there's some other things here. The The Raiders uh, last year, they were minus 14. But, but hold on. I'm, I'm talking about oh, Gruden. Just specifically yeah. Gruden. I think they need a kick in the pants. I think they need a sharp guy. I, I think Gruden is very sharp. I think he can get more out of Derek Carr than Del Rio did. And uh, 
I, I think he really uh, will, will fire up that team. He's a, he's a good fit for them. And I, I think uh, there should be more orig- – he's an original, and there should be more original type yeah. of NFL coaches than these copycat coaches that there's so many of them in the league. I, I, I In a way, I'm not sure I'm rooting for him because I'm just not a Raiders guy either. But I, I, it is going to be interesting to see how different the game is because I think it's fair to debate how good he was even in his time. But Sam, Tampa Bay won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. And obviously if he didn't, we wouldn't be talking about him today. So I agree that was – you win a Super Bowl, it's impressive. But I'll tell you this, John Fox that you just killed today got to a Super Bowl too, right? One with Denver and two Super Bowls. Yeah, that's what I said too. Yeah, yeah, and and one with Carolina, right? Yep. And then also uh, another guy from the Rams you killed. He got to a Super Bowl, if I recall. Yeah, after was forty one, years. Was one you coached well, for forty years? You got a shot at. But this. what I'm saying is that the, if they would have won one more game, they. But you're saying these guys from a couple years, you know, that were in the league last year or or two years ago. In one case, the the game passed them by. But Gruden was a 500 coach. Like I, I 10 don't plus think the, years ago? I don't think the game has passed Gruden by. I think he stayed well on top of but it. But you don't think John Fox was watching film? They knew what the other coaches were doing. They just didn't want to be a part of it. They, they, were, they were old school. I, I don't think John Fox, uh, to put it uh, bluntly, has Gruden's balls, okay? I, I just think he's an ultra-conservative, and uh, same with Fisher. And uh, they're just not sharp, RJ. Maybe it's an intangible or something. I think Gruden's a sharp guy. But is it? A, but it, aren't we mistaken articulateness for sharpness? Perhaps we don't have any idea how sharp Fox is. I mean, I guess we're if we think we can assess how smart his play calling is. But usually, that's just because Gruden ta- is a good talker, right? How sharp is Fox when he's uh, still keeping Trubisky under wraps when they're going absolutely nowhere? He won't even unless he's trying to protect his job, which is pretty gutless. It's. Uh, uh, I, I think uh, Gruden is. Uh, I, I'm just high on Gruden. No, no, I, yeah. I like it. Last, uh, six, I, I like the the passion and the genuineness. Fifteen years ago, uh, <clears throat> Gruden after the Super Bowl, forty five and fifty one at Tampa Bay. His last six seasons, so average turned that it, time. Yeah, very bad franchise though that he got turned around. Well, turned I guess, around. He, was, I guess he was turning a playoff down. team with I, Tony Dungy. I guess he was turning down yeah. the other great jobs he was getting offered because he's such a good coach. Mm. No, you're right. They were good under Dungeon. You know, very yeah. concerning some of his comments, uh, bashing on the analytics. But you got to wonder if he's baiting people. It's possible that he's sandbagging, yes. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's gonna be a good, uh, you know, as Faz will sometimes say when he doesn't know the answer. We'll see. It's an open question. To go to. <laughs> <laughs> he could be, I mean, here's, I'll close it with this. He could be good. <laughs> he could be average, or he could be bad. I think he's, I think he's going to underachieve. You know, one thing I, I did want to ask you a question here, Uh-oh. If, if I can, because Jordy Nelson joins the Raiders, and I think Jordy Nelson is going to be limpy. I think, yeah, I think he's going to be a bust. I mean, when when Hunley, when, no, let's hear. You know Jordy pretty well as a Green Bay guy. Yes. What do you think? Love Jordy when he was good. <laughs> You're not high on a mission. No, he's 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 way over the hill. But uh, there's intangibles with Jordy. He's a he's a veteran. He's going to help them out. Yeah, he had Bart Starr sign poster on his wall. Yeah, but you're 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 just concentrating on Jordy. I I see Amari Cooper having a big rebound year. I see Derek Carr having a big rebound year. I I see all these things lining up for the Raiders. All right, he's hey he's putting his he's putting a stake in the ground. Let's give him that much, Stephen Nover.
All right, Fez, let's talk a little bit about Gruden and these uh, Hackenberger. So he traded, what, a seventh-round pick, cut him right away. One, all jokes aside, I like the balls on that. You make a mistake, you move on, don't waste time. But he was ranting and raving, hey, you don't have time to develop these guys because of the collective bargaining agreement. Open question, how do we how do we apply that to our handicapping? I think we got to look at how much time our rookie quarterbacks are getting in terms of practice time. And if they're not going to be slated as a priority, how are they going to develop? And I think that's the key. If a quarterback, I don't care what age he is, is the first quarterback, he's getting his time. It's the non-first quarterbacks, the idea, oh, he's getting ready, he's getting groomed. I think what you'll see is during a bye week, they'll make the change, give them all that time, and but then you see, hopefully we'll see improvement because they are getting that first time. But the idea of sitting on the bench and getting groomed, you can learn some intangibles and process. You're not getting the snaps. And I also think that <clears throat> on the offensive line, in the cohesion issue, Brad, you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, you know, offensive line, uh, number one with the offensive line, the problem is is just that the offenses in college don't necessarily develop these guys to the style of offense where they're not really ready to, to run block. No one's getting in a three-point stance as much as they did in college 20, 30 years ago. So we see that effect. And obviously when you're dealing with short practice uh, times, uh, to me, more practice time is if I'm getting more time, I think that greater enhances the better coaches out there, the Belichicks. If you give me more time with a guy like that, I think that's an advantage for the better coaches. I think with less time, it kind of makes NFL one of the reasons why it's a parody sport is because of that. Great point. Because we were debating this, and I, I think there's another side to it, but I think it's very analogous to the two games in an NCAA tournament week. First game, there's five days or whatever. and second game, it's a 48-hour turnaround. Usually the Bobby Knights, he was the classic guy. You wanted him in that first game because he had the extra time to exert his superior coaching, almost like that first quarter discussion we were having. If you only got 48 hours, no one has time to do anything special. Bill Belichick on a long week. You always hear off a of bye. The best coaches excel. So, Stephen, uh, Nova, you were kind of on the other side saying, well, a magician is a, you know, a great coach can do it no matter what. You still there? Yeah, I can see both sides. I um, I just thought with a, sh- a short time, uh, the the best coaches usually know how to prioritize and uh, put in their game plan or the specific game plan uh, better than the. Now I would agree with Stephen if it was like an impossibly short time, if it was like a two day turnaround or something. A great coach is going to know how to do something. But if you have an amount of time that is reasonable. The lack of that extra time hurts the harder working, better coaches, I think. I can see both sides. Yes, that's a valid point. You know, I like the side of extra time, and I'll, I'm going to tip a cap to, to Brad here. Like he talks about, you've got all these stats about Erwin, Urban Meyer and some of your most favorable college football coaches, how great their spread records are when they have extra time, right? Oh, Urban Meyer, 74% career winning percentage, extra time. First game in a regular season, off a bye in a bowl game, 74%. Last thing, and this might be the most important about this. Uh, If you listen to Mike Lombardi, and again, I, I think he's great. He says Belichick uses the first month like preseason. 
He he feels confident he's going to win enough games that he'll make the playoffs, and history says he's been right. But he'll make decisions that might not optimize your chance to win that game, game one, game two, game three, but it helps them come January. That's when their games matter. So I think the fact that Belichick's doing that tells us that the time time issue is a true issue. And I think the coaches who aren't doing it, and again, identifying those is not easy, but I think it's a factor because why is Belichick doing something that hurts his chance to win in September unless he thought there was a uh, a lack, of, a dearth of time? Well, he also can, he's the one coach in the division that can get away with it because it's such a weak division. No, I, I mean, but why would he do it unless there was a reason? Because You're, he can get away with it. But you wouldn't do it. I agree that sometimes the trade-off might be worth it. And for him, the trade-off is easier to make because he has a little more uh, margin of safety, let's call it, or margin of error. But he's doing it because there's a reason to do it. It's cheaper for him, but it's still something he's willing to pay for. So I think it's a sign there's something there. Okay, let's talk lastly, Delaware, New Jersey. There's been some bets. I was on with JT the Brick. You know, it's fun. But everyone tracking this bet by bet and all this stuff, it's like let's see this stuff in action. I want to see, I want to see multiple players in. I want to see the the uh, limits go up. Brad, you were crying last week. Wise <laughs> guy wine, we call it about all oh, the limits weren't high enough. Have we seen anything interesting, positive, negative? What? Nothing really. I, I agree with you. I, I want to see what the big bets can do as far as having you know an influence on the market. If we get some East Coast money in, in, in some of these places, is that going to affect the Giants, the Jets when it comes to, to uh, you know a week in and week out basis in the NFL? But right now, I mean, I've, you're getting ten, twenty dollar bets. I haven't seen anything that's made. I mean, had some a major bets shift. are bigger, but yeah. Faz, any thoughts? No thoughts yet. It seems like a lot of the biggest bets are just guys trying to thump their chest, saying, look at me, I can make a big bet, as opposed to having any impact, really, in the overall marketplace. But, you know, they can't. I mean, they're not Steve Fezzik, though. I thought you were going to play a clip. No, I might. <laughs> but they're not Steve Fezzik, right? I, I tell you, more often than not, RJ, when I make a really big bet, I just want to make it anonymously. Get in get out. <laughs> I just wanted you to start talking, yeah. and then I'd play the clip. <laughs> All right, guys, good stuff. No, and again, we're being honest. We're excited about the legalization, but it's a wait and see right now. By the way, one last thing. Podcast One, they've got a survey. Is If you fill it out, it helps the podcast stay free. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you it's going to stay free, but responses may help align the appropriate advertisers to the audience. That does help. And it only takes about five minutes. And listen, we might not be the only podcast one you listen to. So go to podcastone.com slash my survey, or you can just go to podcast one, click on the banner and you can answer some questions there and it will help podcast one better serve you. Also podcast one has an app. So if you listen other ways and you want to consider using the app, you can also, when you go to the survey, download the app there at podcast1.com and enjoy that. And guys, we'll be back, as we said, next week on our normal day, Wednesday in the a.m. Talk to you then.
Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit PodcastOne.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.